Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. You can be seated. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving week. You excited to eat some food this week? Anybody? Anybody excited for the meal? few people, a few out there. I love Thanksgiving too, Matt. One of my favorite holidays. Just uh, so fun to be with family, to relax, watch the football. Um, super excited. And it's been great just leading up to Thanksgiving, this, uh, this series on gratitude we've been in. John's been leading us through the first week. We talked about gratitude for forgiveness, gratitude for being in a, in a place where we can live from freedom and freedom from sin and guilt and shame and just thanking God for that. He, he invited us to Psalm 51 to read that uh, during the week. And what a great practice that is to read through Psalm 51 over and over. And then the next week was the gratitude for, uh, for God's provision, that we grow in intimacy with God as we thank him for what he's providing, for what he's provided, and, and the effects of ingratitude on our life, if you remember that. And he invited us to read Psalm 1. 36. Anybody practice? Anybody try to practice those psalms? A few of you, hopefully. It's not too late. You can go back and read those this week. Um, but I, I love what John reminded us of, that gratitude is a practice. It's not something that, that we simply feel. And I, I love this quote, that giving thanks is not something we feel. It's something we do. We give thanks. It's a practice. And uh, the, the nerd in me kind of got into some scientific results this week. I don't know if anybody likes science in here, but I, I love some of the, the science behind gratitude right now because it's proving what the Bible has been saying for centuries, that science, that your brain can actually be rewired, that it can be wired in a way that, that helps you through trauma, that makes you more resilient to trauma, that, that helps you from past trauma. And it, it's amazing, the psychological, the physiological um, benefits Benefits of gratitude are seen in science. And there is a quote I read from, from this great guy at Stanford. Um, he, he said that the neurochemical and neurocircuit mechanisms that gratitude can evoke are on par with pharmacology and things like high-intensity interval training. It's a lot easier to be grateful than high-intensity interval training, isn't it? So just practice gratitude this uh, Thanksgiving instead of go out and, and get all sweaty. Um, but uh, gratitude is powerful, it's healing, it's protective. It really is. And God created it that way. And, and so my question today is, what do we do when we don't feel grateful? What do we do when we're not feeling thankful, when I'm not feeling thanksgiving? What do I do then? Paul has a verse that might rub some of us the wrong way this morning. If you're in that place, he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Be thankful in all circumstances. Really, Paul. 
Really, be thankful in all circumstances? Are you serious? Be thankful in all, what do you think he's talking about in all circumstances? Is he talking about just those days that are amazing, that you're loving life, that you're flowing, that the sun's shining down on you? I don't think he would have wrote that if he was saying that. He's saying when, you're, when you don't feel like giving thanks, that's when we need to give thanks. When I'm feeling discouraged, when I'm feeling down, when I can't get out of bed, when maybe even tragedy strikes, when I'm at a loss, when I feel alone, anxious, triggered, then that seems impossible, doesn't it? Impossible to give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks when I get in trouble. Give thanks when I'm in crisis. Give thanks when my family's a mess. Give thanks when my marriage feels cold and distant and is, feels broken. Give thanks when I can't stand my boss or I'm struggling at work or my friend group blows up or the cancer diagnosis comes in or a pandemic ruins all our plans. Give thanks in those moments. How absurd. This, this might be one of those verses you're like, can we just cr- cancel, white out that verse out of the Bible? That, that is too hard. It's too hard to do this. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is just a call to deeper levels of gratitude, to a graduate level gratitude, to growing up in gratitude. What does this look like? How do we do this? Chuck Swindoll, one of my spiritual mentors, said this, growing old is mandatory, growing up is optional. It's true. You're not going to fall into giving thanks in all circumstances. You're not going to fall into growing up in gratitude. It's something we have to practice. It's something that we have to learn how to do. So how do we do this? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote a book in the Bible. If you didn't know that, James had a half, John, Jesus had a half-brother. His name was James. Um, his, his mother was also Mary. And uh, James wrote this book to, uh, to a struggling church this letter. He was, he was part of the early church in Jerusalem. He was one of the leaders. And he wrote this, this statement at the beginning of his letter. And uh, many of you have heard it before. I'm going to read it. Hopefully you can see it with some new eyes this morning on how can we be grateful in all circumstances. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Many of us have, have heard that verse. Maybe it's been quoted to us in a hard time. Consider it pure joy. Kind of feels like Christianese cliche. Uh, language, you know, and consider it hardship, an opportunity for joy. Once again, it sounds kind of absurd. Let me see a show of hands. Who just can't wait for the next hard thing to happen to them? Anybody? Right over here. All right. No, we, we don't wish 
hard things to happen to us. And so I was studying this passage and the word consider just popped off the page to me this week. The word consider. That's where God turned up the volume, we like to say. Consider. To consider something is to think deeply, to stop, to pause, to consider the options, to think carefully. I think James is saying here, he's saying the pathway to growth, the pathway to maturity and thankfulness and gratitude and joy is to stop and consider. Consider. Think deeply. There are so many different kinds of trials we all experience, shapes and sizes, relational, emotional, spiritual, financial, physical, tragedies, losses. There's just so much. And, and we have a tendency to hide, to avoid, to want to escape, to run. I know I do. To want to fix it. And yet James is inviting us to look it in the face, to look at the pain, to look at our wounds, to look at what is happening. Is there something you are not willing to consider? We just finished the EHS class, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and Pete Scazzaro, I I love this, in in, uh, one of the chapters, he says this, there's no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. In fact, true spiritual life, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. James is not saying, just forget about all the hard stuff and be joyful. Just minimize it, diminish it, don't think about it. No, he's saying consider. Consider it. Consider what God might be doing in this trial. Consider that God might be doing something bigger, something deeper. So how do I do this? How do we consider trials an opportunity for great joy? I don't know that I have the answer to that question completely, obviously, but uh, let me just throw out a couple thoughts. First one is consider the hiddenness of God. The hiddenness of God. This is a phrase I took from Tim Keller And uh, James says this, for you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Can I consider the possibility that God is doing something I can't see? Can I consider the possibility that there is something beneath the surface, there's something going on under this trial that I cannot see? Here's a picture of a crucible. I don't know if you've ever seen a crucible before. A crucible is something that you melt metal in. And, and it's, if you went on the marriage retreat, Jamie and uh, Scott talked about this, like our marriage is, is a crucible. And I'm going to use it a little differently today. But a crucible is a, it's a graphite container that every time you stick it in the super hot fire, it gets harder. It doesn't get weaker. It gets stronger. It actually builds endurance. The more you put it in the fire, the more you get it in there, the more you use it, the the stronger it gets. I think that is what James is saying here about our faith. 
about our trust in God, the more we get into the fire, the more God puts us in the fire, the stronger we get. He is with us in the fire. He is with us in that. And, and the word for perseverance here is hupomone. Just say that with me, hupomone. You guys are still awake, good. The ancient Greek word hupomone, it comes from hupo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay or remain or abide. And so at the root, it means, it means to remain under. It's the picture of, of being able to hold under, to hold up under a massive amount of weight. God is doing something deeper, doing something more than we can see. Aaron and I got in a, a pretty good fight right before the marriage retreat. Nice timing. And uh, we, it was over some parenting issues, and, um, you know, I'm supposed to be leading this marriage retreat and helping encourage couples and being there for everybody. And the walls start building up between us, and, and I just, uh, I had to practice what I'm preaching here. I had to stop. And, and consider, what are you doing, God? Why is this happening right now? What is happening beneath the surface? What do I need to learn about myself, about how I reacted in that moment? Why was I not as gentle and kind as I want to be? And I, I think God showed me some things. He, he showed me some, some ways I need to trust him more. I need to trust my wife more. Stop and consider. God is doing something deeper. He's doing something under the surface. Jesus told us, my father is always at work. My father is always at work. Listen to this uh, verse from Peter, who knows trials very deeply. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. Can we consider that God is hidden in our sufferings, that God's there in our sufferings, that he's doing something deeper? In our trials. The second thing I want to have you consider this morning that God is a sovereign God. Can we consider that God is sovereign? The sovereignty of God. Listen to James. He says, So let it grow. Let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let it grow. That, that phrase just stuck out to me. Let it grow. That's a passive waiting. Here, let it happen. Let whatever God is doing unfold. You are not in control. You are not in control. Are you willing to consider that God can see things you cannot see, that he's doing something far bigger than you could possibly imagine in this trial, that he has some other plan I know sometimes our, our trials are just so horrific that we can't make any sense of them. 
I know I had, I had a best friend die at 36, left three kids behind, and his wife. And I, I had to ask myself, God, where are you? If you are fully good and fully all-powerful, why are you not doing something? I don't know why. I don't know why maybe your spouse died or you had a kid pass away or you weren't able to have kids or grandkids. When I don't understand, will I consider the sovereignty of God? That God is Lord of all, that nothing happens without God's permission. And I, I, don't, I don't understand this. I feel like an ant kind of trying to understand physics in some ways. But Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which you lay your head. When I can't explain it, when I, when I can't, I'm baffled by it, sometimes I just have to lay my head on the sovereignty of God. Ann Voskamp, in this book, The Broken Way, that I've been just refer, I'll be referring to a little bit in the next few minutes, is she said this, who knows why God allows heartbreak, but the answer must be important enough because God allows his heart to break too. One of the names of God is the God who wastes nothing. God promises to not waste anything you go through. And we're kind of in the middle of a, of a communal trial, a communal, that, that's the wrong word, a communal testing, I guess, with this building, that, that uh, it didn't work out as we planned initially. How are we going to respond as a family? How are we going to trust in the sovereignty of God? Can we consider that God has something better? It was, it was disappointing. It was hard. It was, there was some heartbreak in it because we, we had this dream and the roadblock hit, and yet can we consider that maybe God is protecting us? Maybe God has something better in store for us. How are we going to respond in this moment? Could we consider the sovereignty of God together? And last, I, I want to move us to consider the family of God. Consider the family of God. James says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. I love that, that he, in the middle of this, he, he addresses the family, the God family. And he, you know, God promises to be there in our trials, to be there in our struggles, and he gives us the power by his spirit to go through it, but he also gives us each other. He gives us a family to go through it together. We can consider that a joy, that we get to go through this together. You are part of a family. Just look around. Look around this room. Look at someone else in the eyes. This, this is your family. You are brothers and sisters in this place. We have a gift here, a gift, you guys. I've been so encouraged by, by people just sharing their struggles, their brokenness, their burdens this fall in, in places like EHS and the Financially Healthy Discipleship and life groups and around the fire pit and, uh, gosh, in, in so many different venues. Even last week, we saw it here, the people opening up 
about their loneliness, about anxiety, about struggles. And, and I've been just acutely aware, I think, of what happens when someone breaks open their heart and shares it in community. The Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit moves the room. Have you noticed that? It's, it's such a gift that we have to, to break open our lives and to, to share it with one another. I listened to uh, Lori Shorts, actually. She had a podcast this week that was, was speaking just about this, and I, I want to quote her. She said, Our pain and suffering is what touches others most profoundly. Your pain is perfectly matched to help others who are going through the same thing you are going through. As we share our struggles, we experience healing. I love that double benefit of sharing our life with each other. That as we share our brokenness, our woundedness, our pain, we get healed, and the other people that we're sharing with are comforted and encouraged. That's so powerful. What holds you back from sharing, from, from opening up, from being vulnerable with one another? I know for me it can be pride. It can be not wanting to look like the needy one, the broken one. It can be just avoidance. We're all in the same boat, family of God. We're all broken. This is a hospital, not a country club. This is, this is where the brokenness is safe to come out. I love C.S. Lewis's definition of friendship. It's you too. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's you too. You're going through that too. You, you know what that feels like too? Oh. I want you to turn to someone and just say, I am here for you. Let me just do that real quick. Turn to somebody, turn to your neighbor, say that. I'm here for you. Okay, now I want you to turn to somebody else and say, I need help. Just practice that. Say, I need help. Can you say those three words? <laughs> Why is it so hard to say those three words? I need help. You know, what, what an amazing opportunity we have together, family of God, to to be for one another. We are for each other. What a gift it is to be able to say that to each other. I need help. I'm here for you. So I want to wrap up this, this series by having us just consider the cross of Christ. That's where we started the series, with the cross. We started with what the cross means forgiveness. The cross is the ultimate symbol of God being with us in our suffering, that God would personally come down and experience suffering, tragedy, heartbreak. What a miracle that he would do that so that we could know he is for us, he is with us, and so the cross reminds us that God is hidden in our suffering, that he's doing way more than we could possibly see. God reminds us that, 
or, or the cross reminds us that God is sovereign, that God is Lord of all. He could take a, a symbol of execution. That's what that is, a symbol of execution. And God took that and he changed it into a global symbol of grace and peace for all mankind. Only a sovereign God could do that. And the cross reminds us that we are invited into a family. We're called to love and serve one another, and we're called to share our lives with one another. We are part of this family. And so I want to invite you into a couple of spiritual practices this week. Um, one is just to read Psalm 50. If, that, if, you're, if you're into the Psalms, read that every day. Psalm 50 is about a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It reminds us that thanksgiving is hard sometimes, and it costs us to be thankful. And another one comes from this book, The Way of the Broken Way by Ann Voskamp. And I, I just love this spiritual practice she invited, invites her readers into, and she did. And she, she simply uh, invited really herself. She started with herself that, that uh, she, she wanted to live a cruciform life, is what she said, a cross shaped life. And so I want to invite you into that today, a cross-shaped life. What does that look like to live a cruciform life that, that I'm going to be about loving God and about loving others? That just like Jesus, I'm going to be about sharing my brokenness with other people. I'm going to be about pouring my life out for others. And so I want to invite you into that this week. If you want to commit to a cruciform life, to a cross-shaped life. We have some Sharpies down here at the communion table, and you can simply just draw a cross on your wrist to remind you this week. This is what Jesus invites me into, a cross-shaped life. How do I live this? And maybe just consider in your own life, what does that look like to live a cross-shaped, a cruciform life? And so we come to communion. This is the real Thanksgiving table. That's why I wanted to have communion today. Just this is the table of Thanksgiving. The, the word for Thanksgiving in Greek is Eucharist. It, 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 it is what Jesus said on the night he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. He broke it and he shared it. He broke it and he shared it. And Voskamp talks a lot about this in her book, that this is where the miracle happens in the breaking and the sharing. The cruciform life. And Jesus said, eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup he said, this, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat, drink of this cup and eat of this bread, you proclaim the death of Christ. You proclaim that his, his death is enough, that his suffering is enough, and that he's with us in our suffering. And so I want to invite you to, I'm going to invite the band to come up.
as they're coming up. I want to just, uh, I'll cover just a couple logistic things because it's, it's, uh, we need to do that in this space. If you come down the middle aisles and then head out the, the, the sides, that is the way it's most helpful for the flow. And we, have, we also have gluten-free and individual packages of um, communion if you'd rather have that. Uh, there's also prayer people, people that want to pray. Our prayer team wants to pray for you. If you're in a hard dark place. Maybe you're in a place of just confusion. What is God doing? I want to invite you to come and, and pray with our prayer team and, and break open your heart and share that with people. I, I also have some books up here, some Broken Way books. If you're just in a place of you just need some encouragement, I wanted to buy some extra books to, uh, to hand those out. So if you want to read that and maybe you're going through a time, you just need some, some extra encouragement. Let me read this one quote from Ann Voskamp. She said this, The body of Christ doesn't offer you some cliches, but something to cling to right here in our own scarred hands. His body doesn't offer some platitudes, but some place for your pain right here. So let's come to the table of thanksgiving. And let me pray for us as we do that. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you that uh, you are doing so much more than we can possibly see or imagine. God, thank you that you have taken our suffering and, and you have taken on this suffering to show us that you're, you're with us, God, as we go through our own pain. We praise you, God, for what you're doing. We praise you for ways that you're working that we can't even see. Would you help us to be grateful? God, help us to consider that you're up to something bigger. So thank you for this time we get to celebrate Thanksgiving together. In your name, amen. Come when you're ready. And prayer team, would you come up and join us on the sides? That would be awesome. Let's stand together.